Praise the Lord. We're going to talk this morning, minister to you about work versus worship that we've been worshiping this morning. So I want you to go to Luke chapter 10, a very, very familiar portion of scripture, which I hope to put a big twist on to lead us into another dimension, but uh, we'll go there. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Shall we read it together? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Sound interesting? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord said, you're worried and you're upset about many things. But few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. When I was on the road as an evangelist, I used to tell people, and I told it here when we first started with you, that we need to do several things when we read the word. Remember what they were? Read the word slowly. Come on. Join me. Read the word slowly. Take, take pictures. Ask. Read between. Look for attitude. And dig with your little spiritual trowel in your flower pots until you find what you really need to see. We are going to see attitude, relationship. We're going to see personal desires. We're going to see distractions. We're going to see questions. We're going to see all kinds of things. And I want you to be taking pictures of what we're dealing with this morning. It's important that you see what's actually happening, not just reading it, okay? So in verse 38, we find that Jesus makes this unexpected visit to Martha's house. He didn't warn her. They didn't text her. Her phone wasn't working. They showed up. No warning. Thirteen men and Martha's family. Ladies, I have a question. Don't you just love this? Trina, I mean, doesn't this just make you happy to find 13 people outside your door, plus your own family, plus the preacher who wants more of those crazy things you make? I, had, I sinned. I took one home from the meeting Thursday, Wednesday night. Aren't you just happy to see people just floating in your front door and you're going, oh. No warning. I have a question. Serious question. Was this visit a mistake on Jesus' part? We're going to have to find out why. You answered the, correct, the question correctly. But we're going to have to find out why that's correct. Can I just shoot something at you? This is me. I can't prove this theologically. I can prove it Italian-wise, but I can't prove it theologically. Jesus was after Mary. I hope to prove that to you before we're through. Martha invites him into the home. She welcomes him. My question also is, 
Is he welcome? Is Jesus welcome in our home? And are we prepared for the visit? No matter what time, no matter what hour, no matter what's going on, is he welcome in your home? Do you want him there? Is there a joy that fills you with the thought of Jesus will visit me? Thank God. Verse 38 tells us that Martha Martha welcomes Jesus. I like it. She welcomes, she has a great attitude. Check her attitude. She sees all these guys at the door. I mean, Trina's just going, oh, look, look. She's going, look, look. But she welcomed him. She welcomed him. Her attitude was mikasa, sukasa. Anybody understand that? Great. But look at verse 39. Go with me there. Martha says, come on in, come on in, come on in. Martha has a sister named Mary. She also has a brother named Lazarus. You know that. She had a sister called Mary. And verse 39 says, Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to Jesus. I have a problem. This is an unmarried woman sitting at the feet of an unmarried man, and that is against the custom of the day. You get the picture, don't you? They were very tight about some of their regulations about social distancing and all that good stuff. And all of a sudden, Jesus is sitting there, and here comes Mary, and she comes and sits at his feet, and she begins to listen to what he is saying to her. Huh. She has, Mary, Mary has an attitude. Mary's attitude is, I want to worship Jesus. I don't want kitchen duty. You need to listen to that. I want to worship Jesus. I don't want to get stuck in the kitchen. Because there's something more important to me than what's in the kitchen. There's something more important to me than food. I want to come. I want to sit. I want to hear from him. I want to feel his presence so that in doing that, something changes in my life. That won't happen in the kitchen. Oh, come on. Wake up. Somebody say amen. Amen. Mary has an attitude. (laughs) But so does Martha. Verse 40. I love it. You need to see the interaction between the sisters, family status. Verse 40 says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. And I would be too. Come on, ladies, you know that. Thirteen people show up at your front door and you're going, scratching your head. Okay, now what do I do? What do I do? <gasps> Hamburgers. No, 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 no. Pasta and meatballs, please. No, everybody said amen? amen? There you go. Well, the pasta's got to be cooked. The meatballs have got to be made. So, Martha, in verse 40, she's distracted by all the preparations that had to be made, and she comes to Jesus, okay? And she says to Jesus, this is not fair. Take a picture of what's going on in that room right now. This is not fair. Not only is this not fair, Jesus, but I don't like what's going on, and you need to do something about it. Have you ever did that to the Lord? Have you ever told God something is not fair? Have you ever told God, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with what's going on here. I don't like it. You, you, Jesus, better do something about it. Her feelings are hurt by her sister. 
which is a dangerous thing. I mean that seriously. It's not a fun thing. Families need to be as close together as they possibly can be, for not only for their own sake, but for the glory of God. But there's a problem with the sisters. And Martha, I understand her, okay? There's an overload on her. There's all kinds of work that she's got to do. And she's looking at Jesus, and she's saying to him, don't you care? How many times in your life have you gone through things where it's just stacking up on you, and you don't understand it, and you fall on your face before God and say, God, don't you care? That's Martha. And she brings Jesus into the mix. Well... Martha expects Jesus to take sides. Can I make a suggestion here? He's not going to do that. He has his own way of doing things. He's not waiting for you to clue him in so he knows which side to take. Oh, what what, what, would you say? She's waiting for Jesus to take sides. And she's expecting Jesus to take her side, not Mary's. Take the picture. Look what's going on. The kitchen is fuming. Mary's sitting at his feet. Martha doesn't like it. We have a problem going on within a household that's distracting something. So Jesus responds in verse 41. And we find out that Jesus has an attitude. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus has an attitude? Yeah, he does. Don't get on the wrong side of his attitude. So he begins to talk to Martha, and he says this, Martha, Martha, you're worried, and you're upset about many, many things. Do you think that Jesus knows what you're feeling? Do you think that Jesus knows how you feel? Do you think that Jesus knows why it's happening to you? Do you think he's in the dark about your situation, whatever your situation may be? Do you think he's just not aware because he's so busy dealing with other people? Jesus has his own attitude, and he knows what you're feeling. And he knows why you're feeling it. I need you to know that. Seriously, I, I really, really seriously, you need to know this. When my wife passed away six months ago, I needed to know that Jesus knew what was going on. I needed this. I needed to understand that he knew what I was doing, Gary. He knew what I was feeling. He knew the hurt. He, he knew the loan. He knew, I needed to know that I wasn't alone in this factor, but he was with me. He was feeling everything. Martha doesn't understand this. Neither do we at most phases of our life. But you need to know that Jesus knows everything. I've said this before, but it bears repeating. You can't hide anything from the Lord. Try it sometime. Try it. And he says to Martha, Martha, I can see what's going on. You're worried. You're really, really worried. You're worried about the food. You're worried about the reputation. You're bothered. Okay? You've always been known as the hostess with the mostess. And all of a sudden you got 13 guys at your doorstep waiting to be fed. He said, you're bothered. And he said, in addition to that, you're being distracted. The word distracted means to be pulled in the wrong direction. Oh, 
Wait a minute. What direction? What's going on in this house? Come on, think with me. Dig with me. Come on. You're being just, what? Conflict. What's the conflict about, Reagan? And working. That was the title of the message. Work versus worship. There's a, there's a big conflict in her heart, and the conflict is she feels responsible, and I understand that. But she's being pulled in the wrong direction, and this pull, because of what she felt she needed to do, and what she felt she was responsible for, was dragging her away from worshiping Jesus. What is dragging you away from worshiping Jesus? It's legitimate, I'll tell you that right now. Her, her feelings were legitimate feelings. Please don't put a black mark on Martha. She's a good woman. But what she thinks is important is dragging her away from what is really important in her life, and that is worshiping Jesus Christ. Am I making any sense? She's worried. She's bothered. She's distracted. Pulled in the wrong direction. And this, all of her things were keeping Martha from worshiping Jesus. So, question. What's more important, work or worship? But we have to learn that, and some of us learned it in a hard way. We've worshiped this morning, what, and I enjoyed the, I enjoy the worship. We come together every Sunday, and we enjoy the worship. But if that's the only time you worship Jesus in the course of one week, there's something wrong. Oh, not everybody said amen. amen. If worship is only coming to church on Sunday and clapping your hands, and living, that's wonderful. We need that. But if that's it, then you're distracted. Something is pulling you. Now, I'm not giving you an outline. You know, when you get up in the morning, go to bed at night, what time you eat dinner how much TV you watch. I'm not giving you an outline as to when you should break into your schedule to worship the Lord. That's something you have to deal with. But may I make this suggestion lovingly? Sometime during the day of every day, you need to just sit somewhere, get somewhere, maybe by yourself, maybe with your spouse, and just begin to worship the Lord for who he is and what he means to you and why he means so much to you. What's he done for you that he needs your worship? What's he provided for you? How has he strengthened you? Who has come and put their arms around you that's making you stronger? And you've never said, thank you, Jesus. Are you so distracted that the only time we can get to worship is on Sunday morning? Work versus worship. Verse 42 says, few things are needed. Mary, only one, he said, only one indeed. Mary has chosen what is better. And it, what she's chosen, may not be taken away from her. If you have a worship season with the Lord on a regular basis, I was going to say daily basis, and I know that's not always easy. So 
but on a regular basis. Your worship time and the experience that you get and the strength that you get and the lift that comes, that will not be taken away from you. We are not saying that Martha's a bad woman. You didn't hear me say that, did you? She's not a bad woman. We're not saying that Martha doesn't love the Lord. She does love the Lord. She welcomes him into her home. She welcomes the idea, I can do something for him. Should we stop working for the Lord just so we can say we're worshipers? No. We have things to do for God. But what will make us stronger in our doing and in our working is our power that we have with God when we're worshiping. Mary, he said, chose the better part. And it's not going to get taken away from her. The good part. Mary chose the relationship that goes with worshiping. I know you love the Lord. I, I know that. Okay? And I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to spank anybody. That's not my job. I don't do that. But I need you to focus on who you are and who he is and what is your relationship to him other than Sunday morning coming to church. Am I making any sense? What's really necessary? The good part. This worship relationship. Not a work relationship. Yes, don't stop working for Jesus. Don't ever say, preacher, Pastor Greco said we can just stop working and do nothing anymore. No, 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 no. If that were true, then these guys would not get your church painted and fixed up. You guys can go home right now because you don't have any duties because I want you just to be worshipers, not workers. No! We have a balance in life. We work for him, we worship. We work, we worship. We work, we worship. And we do things that make things complete. We attain certain things that only come from the relationship of worship first and working second. Well, okay. Relationship. Can I fast forward? We'll get out of the house right now. You know that Mary and Martha and Lazarus, two sisters and a brother. You know that, okay? So let's leave the house. And let's fast forward uh, to John chapter 11. Because in John chapter 11, and I suggest you might want to make a little Bible study out of John 11. It is cram full of stuff. Full. I have a list home of stuff. I did a, I did a Bible study somewhere. I don't know where. But I've got, I think, three or four sheets of paper at home that's nothing but John 11. So do a little digging on your own. Would you do that? But in John 11, remember, Lazarus dies. How many remember that? Okay. Now, we're not home anymore. We're not, we're not having pasta and meatballs in her house. We're, we're past that. And we've come into the series of John, and all of a sudden we find that Lazarus dies, and Jesus is going to come to the funeral. He is coming with his disciples. And the story behind that is unbelievable. Go back to John. Do a little digging, okay? So in John chapter 11, we have verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. (laughs) Oh, poor Jesus. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, you've got to take a picture of this. You've got to. You've got to sit down and, and really digest what's going on here. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been, can you see her? Come on, come on, you folks. 
All of you ladies do this. Come on. Do, see, you know how to do that, right, ladies? Us men don't know. But stand. the ladies know how to do this. Right? There, there she is, right in the back. Okay. Can you see her? Because he, she instantly says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What she's doing is she's blaming Jesus. Are you there? Do you see it? Do you understand it? Can you understand her feelings? You're, if you had been here, listen to her attitude. Verse 22, look at what she says. Even now, and this is a very great scripture. Even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Run that through your mind. Because there, there's a bundle of stuff in her, in her speak her speech with Jesus. A bundle of truths, okay? What she's saying is, fix it. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Fix it! It's your fault I'm in this mess. <clears throat> it's your fault I've lost my brother. God, it's your fault that I lost my wife. No! But check the attitude. Understand the feeling, what, what she's going through. And she's saying to him, fix it! Can you hear her? Oh, I can hear her. Stand, she's loud and clear. Now, your wife has never done that to you, I know. You should have said amen. You didn't say amen, brother. You're in trouble. In verse 23, Jesus says something to her. He's trying to comfort her. He said, your brother will rise again. See, he knows what she's going through. He, He totally understands the concept of pain. Her feelings. Her, can, can you feel what she's feeling? Have you ever been there where you're just, you've, you're just blown apart? She's blown apart. She can't handle what she has gone through. And she's blaming Jesus for all that has happened to her. And she knows that if he wants to, he can fix it. And Jesus tries to give her comfort with those words. Your brother will rise again. Do you feel her heart? Jesus says something. <clears throat> or Martha says something after Jesus tries to comfort her. Because Martha, and I, and I say this respectfully of Martha, you've got to understand her attitude. Martha's a know-it-all. She is. And I don't say that to, be, to, to put her down. But you've got to listen to her. Okay? Because he just said, you know, your, your brother's going to rise again. Here comes Martha. I know it all. I, I know he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. Well, who wants to wait till that time? Why are we waiting till the resurrection? Fix it now. Fix it now. Fix it now, God. You see my problem. You see the need. You know what's going on. We need this. We need that. We, oh, fix it now. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. What she wanted was resurrection, and resurrection was standing in front of her. And in most cases, when we're dealing with God and our our feelings are just, we're crushed. We don't know what we're going to do next. We don't know how we're going to handle the next thing. And we get to this point, and we don't recognize that the answer is standing right in front of us, and it's Jesus Christ. 
I am the resurrection and the life. Can I throw something in with this verse, which, which is not in the message, but in your study of John, and I hope you do it. <clears throat> Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and those who surrounded Jesus, knew two things about Jesus before this chapter. They knew two things. They knew he was a great teacher because they called him that. Great teacher. Oh, Rabbi, Rabboni, I mean, come on. He's a great, they knew that. He's a great teacher. The second thing they knew about Jesus back then, before Lazarus died, was that he was a healer. Which is why the sisters sent someone to pick up Jesus in the first part of John 11, so that Jesus would come back to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' house, lay hands on Lazarus, who was dying. They tried everything. Jacob, they couldn't fix him. They couldn't get the right doctor. They couldn't do anything. Go get Jesus. So they do. They go after Jesus, and Jesus does not show up. And Jesus has the nerve to say to the messenger, go back and tell them that this, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of the Son of God. How would you like to get that answer? Your brother's dying. No doctor can help him. Now he's dead. He's dead. Do you understand why she's saying, fix it, fix it, fix it? And then he's looking at her. I am the resurrection. Two things I told you. They know he was a great teacher. They knew he was a healer. But they did not know the third thing. Jesus was life itself. Now he's, he's, he's sharing that. Now he's opening up himself. I am the resurrection. I am, right? You're looking at life. Martha doesn't get it. Okay, so... <clears throat> she finally goes after Mary. <clears throat> and in verse 32, you need to see something. Mary has an attitude. You knew that, didn't you? Come on, guys, you know your wife have an attitude. Say amen. amen. Thank you, brother. <laughs> I'll pray for you later because once she gets a hold of you at home. It's... Mary has an attitude in verse 32. And she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. She has the same words that Martha had. Oh, I forgot something. (gasps) Forgive me, Lord. I skipped over a few lines in that verse. What did I fail to say? Come on. What did I fail to read? What? Louder. She fell at his feet before she opened her mouth. Diane, is that right? Before she opened her mouth, she fell at his feet and worshipped him. Could you do that? She still feels the same, dear. She's still hurt. That's, that's not gone. That's still with her. She's facing reality. Her brother is no longer alive. He's no longer in the family. I don't understand this. But before she shares her hurt, she bows before him. That's who she is. She's a worshiper. She's a worshiper. And she knows it's her job to worship him no matter what. What do we feel when we're up against the odds like she's feeling? When do we stop pulling our hair out and get down on our knees or our faces or whatever it is and begin to worship and praise this one who deserves every bit of praise that we can possibly give her? She bows down. She fell at his feet and she worshipped him. Is she still hurting? Oh, yeah. Is she still sad? Oh, yes. Does she still wonder? Oh, you bet she does. Does that sound familiar to you? In the things that you've gone through in life? 
She fell at his feet, which shows you the difference in the attitude between Martha and Mary. Worship versus work. Well, can I ask a question? What was the first divine action after Mary fell at his feet and worshipped him? Come on, wake up. What was the first divine action that took place? Come on, we're in John. The first divine action that took place after Mary said, if you'd been here, but she fell down and worshipped him first. What's the first divine action that took place? Come on. What? She wept? No, no, the divine action. He raised him from the dead. At the result of her bowing down and falling before him and worshiping him and praising him, the first divine incident took place when he said, Laz, get out of there. And Lazarus came out of that grave. Two sisters were hurting. Two sisters had the same words. One sister was bitter and blamed him for everything. The other sister was not happy, but she fell down before him and she worshipped him. Laz, come out. Jesus has power over everything. Everything. We need to learn to worship. There's no way I can stress that enough, folks. I'm serious to you. I'm serious. I don't care what, what time of day it is that you have the free time. Take it and worship him. Find a schedule that fits your daily activity and get alone somewhere. And tell God, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. There are times when I tell God that I love him. I'm in the car driving, tell him I'm loving. And all of a sudden, there's such a spirit come over me. I'm speaking in tongues while I'm driving. Which is pretty safe. You don't have to speak in tongues to worship God. Okay? I know that. You know that. But you need to worship him. Okay? I have another question. I'm full of questions. How do you think Martha, Martha, how do you think Martha felt when she saw her brother Lazarus come out of that grave? Martha, fix it, she said, fix it. How many times have you said to God, fix it? And all of a sudden, God fixed it, whatever the thing was. How do you think Martha felt? Do you think she's feeling good? Do you think she's jumping up and down? I think she's jumping up and down. I think you can't stop her. But put Martha aside for just a moment. What about Mary? I'm looking at Mary, Heather. I'm looking at her now. I'm looking at her face. You know what I see? I see a woman that has a smile from ear to ear. She is just smiling. She has a radiance about her that comes from her position of worship. What she decided to make important in her life with Jesus was worship. And now that is being expressed as she looks at everybody and this smile is from ear to ear and she, she's not letting anybody stopping her from smiling. Her hands are in the air. She's praising God. She's got a smile. It's not going to quit. That's what worship does. That's what worship does. <clears throat> Can I backtrack real quick? We don't need to move the screen at all. But I want to take you back to 
where we started with in John, uh, in Luke. Remember, Jesus came to the house. Martha's, you know, doing her thing, not happy. Mary's sitting at his feet. I have a question. I always have questions. What do you think Jesus was saying to Mary back there at the house? Because Mary's listening. She's not only worshiping, she's listening. Now, I can't prove this theologically, so don't shoot me. But I can prove this Italiano-wise, which is almost most as important as theologically. Nobody said amen. Thank you so much. I think in my heart that when she's sitting at his feet in the house, that he is saying to her, Mary, I'm going to tell you something that I've already told my disciples, but they won't believe me. And she's going, what's that, Lord? Mary, I'm going to die. Oh. You're going to die. Yeah, I'm going to die. And when I die, there will be no one able to come and anoint my body. And she's listening. Mary, I've told this to all my disciples. They won't believe me. You think I'm joking? Matthew chapter 16, which we don't, we don't go to. You can go to yourself. Peter, Jesus is telling the disciples he's going to die. And Peter says, oh, we're not going to have that. No, 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 no. I'm going to ma- and what does Jesus say to Peter? Come on. Get thee behind me, Satan. They won't believe him. I think personally from the depths of my heart that when she was sitting at his feet, he told her everything about what the crucifixion was going to be like. He told her that no one would be there. There wouldn't be time to take his body and clean it and anoint it, which was the process of the Jewish burial, the custom. It was a prerogative. It was important. Nobody's going to be there, Mary. Nobody. They wouldn't believe me. And nobody's going to be there to prepare my dead body. Wow. I'm going to try to close. And you know that when the preacher says that, it means absolutely nothing. But we need to get to the closure. And that's found in John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Remember, now Lazarus is alive. It's all over with. I think Jesus really informed Mary I really believe that, of what was going to happen. So in John chapter 12, listen to what it says. Six days before the Passover, right? Jesus is going to die. Jesus comes to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Are we getting a picture? Okay. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor, and guess who was serving? Martha. Here comes the pasta with meatballs. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus, right? And Mary took part, took about a part of a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Stop there for a moment. We now have a party going on. It's not a funeral anymore. Nobody's crying. Everybody's laughing and enjoying everybody, jumping up and down, singing praises. Last Supper, Martha's serving. Lazarus gets to sit right next to Jesus. I'd have been sitting in his lap if it had been me. I wouldn't let go of him. Mary's not in the kitchen. Mary's off somewhere. 
in one of her private rooms. And Mary comes out with this very costly perfume. What she was doing, going to do, Judas doesn't like it, we'll get to that. But the value of that perfume was considered one year's wages for a slave. One year. So what does she do? Mary anoints, she breaks open that box, she anoints the feet of Jesus. I'm sorry, you can't anoint Jesus' feet unless you bow down. Try doing it standing up. Go ahead, try it. We're back to worship, aren't we? This woman woman is full with the desire of worship. So she bows down, okay? She bows down and she anoints his feet. She also stays in that position of being bowed down and she wipes his feet with her hair. You've got to take a picture. You've got to see her heartbeat. You've got to see the heartbeat of Jesus. Jesus knows what she just did because I think back in the house he told her that no one would be there to anoint his body. And she is now anointing him for burial. You can't prove that. Oh, I can. I can. I will in a moment. The scripture also says that this procedure, this worship, this action changed everything in that room. That room, the fragrance of that room totally changed. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. A human being brought a human element to a spiritual situation and changed the whole atmosphere of that room because it was a thing of worship. What can your worship do to change the atmosphere where you live, where you work, what you do? What will your atmosphere of worship do for that need where you are every single day? Her action of worship changed everything, Gary. It changed everything. The fragrance of that room was absolutely wonderful. What is it that we, church, New Hope, we're we're together, we're a family. What is it that we can do in our worship? What is it, what kind of fragrance can we bring together as a family? Or wherever we may be, what, what can we do to our room if we bow down and worship and open up the perfume of the Spirit of God in that room? What do you think will change? Everything. Everything. This is Mary's last act of worship. In verse 5, Judas is very mad. Look at verse verse 5. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages. He's got one thing on his mind, and it's not worship. And he is the thief. The scripture says he's the thief. Okay? Verse 7. Jesus rebukes him. Verse 7, leave her alone. I don't think I'd want Jesus talking to me like that. Can you hear his attitude? Leave her alone. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of whose burial? Mary sat at his feet. At the house, Jesus spoke to her and told her everything 
that he needed to tell her about the fact he would die and nobody would be prepared to anoint him. Want to talk about worship? The power of worship? The reality of worship? He praises Mary. He praises the worshiper because she anointed him for his burial. Work or worship? I have to quit. Jesus had a plan for Mary that was powerful. I know this in my heart. Does he have a plan for us, New Hope? I'm serious. You know, you know me by now. You know me. You, you can't slough me off while he's just talking. No, no, no. You know me by now. Jesus had a plan for Mary because she worshipped him. If we become the worshipers, and, and I enjoyed this morning's worship, you know that. I'm talking about our private time of worship. We become a church of worshipers. So that when we walk in that door on Sunday morning, we're ready for worship. Because we've been worshiping all. What do you think would happen in this community if we were the church of worship in this community? You think maybe God has a plan for that? I don't want to come here and preach every Sunday without a plan. I don't want to look you in the eye and you're beautiful people, except Gary. But, I, but you know, you're <clears throat> that's not God's plan. His plan is to pour out His Spirit on us, Gary. And to the point is, we just want to bow before Him. We don't care about this. We don't care. We've got to take care of responsibilities. We're not talking about that. But I want to worship Him, Gary. I want someone next to me while I'm worshiping Him. I want someone around me. I want to be around people who are worshiping. What would happen in this community if this church became known as a Mary church? who worships Jesus Christ at the drop of a hat. What would happen? It's going to take more than a paint job, which we are going to really appreciate. It's going to take more than cleaning up, which definitely, that's wonderful. But it's going to take more than that. It's going to take more than the preacher, I'll tell you right now. It's going to take more than preaching. It's going to take more than the worship leader. It's going to take this church deciding to become Mary, not Martha. Do we stop working? Oh, no. Oh, no, we keep working. Do we stop doing what we're supposed to do? No, we keep doing what we're supposed to do. But in addition to doing what we're supposed to do, we take time out to sit at his feet, to kneel before him, and to tell you, Jesus, I love you. I love you. I worship you. You mean everything to me. I can't do anything without you. Not a day goes by. I'm serious, and this is not a pat on the back. I don't need that. I don't need pats anymore. But there's not a day that goes by that sometime during that day I have to worship him and I have to tell him, God, I'm nothing without you. My messages are no good, Stanley, without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. They're worthless. Worthless. Mary has chosen the better part. He did not say Martha was a bad woman. He just said, Mary, she's got insight. She wants to be close to me. And I'm asking us as a family, a church family, New Hope, how close do we want to get to Jesus? I'm not talking about fancy stuff. And, you, know, I'm, I'm, you know what I'm talking about. This private worship 
so that when we come together, Gary, on Sundays, this whole room explodes. Why? Because something's going on in here. Something in our heart is causing us to just burst forth in worship. Mary chose the better part. Jesus said that. Did Jesus dislike Martha? No way. He loved her. Do we have work to do? Yes, we do, AJ. We've got work to do. And we're going to get all kinds of help to do it. And we're going to keep growing. Why? Because we're learning things from the Word. Worship, 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 worship. Sing, son. Sing it with us. Sing it with us. Thank you, Lord. Sitting at at His feet. feet. Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Holy One. Holy, holy, holy. Lift your hands and worship Him right now. Lift your hands. Tell Him how much you love Him. Tell Him it means everything to you. That nothing happens without Him touching your life. Tell Him right now. Sitting at your feet. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Sitting at your feet. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Hallelujah. Sitting at your feet. Thank you, Jesus. 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 I want you to stand with me and sing that again, everybody. If you're not opposed, lift your hands to Him. I'm not trying to give you direction. I'm not trying to make you do things that are uncomfortable. But if you're comfortable with it, just lift your hands as we sing again, sitting at His feet. Sing it with us. Come on, sing it with us. Sitting at His feet. Oh, we love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy God. That is where. Thank you, Lord. I want you to close your eyes for just a moment. Hold steady with me. I felt even before I came this morning that I needed to pray for some people and I'm not going to ask you what the problem may be. I don't need to do that. But after hearing this message, you have discovered something. And you need, you need to get squared away with God for whatever, whatever purpose that is. Okay? I want to pray with you. So if that's you, if you need, you know what I'm talking about, you know what's going on, it's between you and God, and I'll pray for you in a minute. But I just want you to raise your hand and wave it at me. I want you to, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see that hand back, yes, thank you, thank you. I see your hand, yes, I see your hand. I just want you to wave your hand at me. Because God wants to come into your life in a brand new, brand new dimension. And only he can do that. Anyone else, just wave your hand at me. Yes, I see your hand, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? 
Thank you, dear. I see your hand. Thank you. Father, we came together today to worship you. It's not an accident that we came and you came. And it's not an accident that there are people here who need you in a specific way that will help them not be distracted anymore like Martha was, but will be more like the image that Mary shows us, provides for us, that took Mary from a position of kneeling at Jesus' feet and listening to a position of blessing Jesus with a burial anointment that no one expected. That's what we want in our lives. That's why we raised our hand. Because we want to go from one position to the next in the scheme of things, in the will of God, so that we can complete what you have tasked us to do. You have given us a task. And as a church, you have given us a task. And I know that everyone in this room would raise their hand and say, yes, Lord, as a church, take us from this position to the next position. But Lord, I'm praying specifically for those who raise their hand that from this moment on, you will speak to them in a clear voice They will understand you. They'll follow your leadership rule. It'll affect not only them, but their family. And it will affect this church as we come together in the name of Jesus. And we will see the power and the presence of God like we've never seen it before. People will drive into this building not even knowing why they're coming. But will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit. And they will not be able to get away from it. They will come through those doors. And we may never get to preach. They'll come forward, kneel at the altar, and we'll pray. We'll do our thing like Mary did. We'll worship them into the house of the Lord. Until we see the divine miracles of Lazarus coming out of the grave, which is what we all need in our lives. Would you bless them, Holy Spirit, for their faithfulness, for their obedience? Would you bless this congregation? Would you bless our brothers and sisters who have come to help us in the remodeling and the making this church look beautiful? Would you bless them? Most of all, Holy Spirit, would you help us find the time to get before you privately and learn to worship you. I ask this in the holy name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. And everybody said, we love you, folks.